The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Titan Size Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Size Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. Will, welcome back. Uh, how was vacation? Uh, it was great. Uh, it started off with a Philadelphia win and ended with a Buffalo Bills loss. So, you know, started out strong. Um, we'll definitely dive into that. That Buffalo Bills game. Matias sent us a text a couple hours ago, and he said, do we have to do this? And then, and then Will said it's just going to be 45 minutes of us puking into our microphones, um, which is pretty accurate. Um, look, the, the Titans, before we get into any specifics about what happened, I, I'll say this. The Titans talked all week about, we don't get enough attention. They don't like us. Who cares, number one? Vrabel did a masterful job when he said there's nothing more mm-hmm. ridiculous we could be worried about than what people think of us out like in the national media. And these national media people don't know what they're talking about. Like the the guy who said that um, you know the Titans have a quarterback rotation between Mariota and Blaine Gabbert, those are the people you're wanting the like to like you? Really? But after talking about that all week, it was so arrogant, number one. And I mean, I think the Titans just lost focus. They sleepwalked through that game, right? That's what it seemed like. I mean, they didn't show a lot of fire, a lot of passion. Um, and it was just a culmination of a lot of bad things. And I, I, I've talked, I, I talked in a, uh, before this game even happened that I didn't think trap games were real and I didn't think this team would fall into the trap game <laughs> thing. Uh, it happened. And they're real because that should have never happened. Uh, and it happened to the Vikings also. It happened to the Vikings at home uh, to the same Bills team. So, I, I mean, uh, uh, when we did the preview, 
I, I, I said that the Bills have an underrated defense. They have a lot of pieces that are actually very good, um, and the Titans' offense just could not get anything done on that defense, which did play well, but I think the Titans had a lot of self-inflicted wounds, and to top all of that off, they just they came into the game riding high, thinking they were they were just hot, you know, like one of the most underrated team in the league teams in the league, uh, and then they laid an egg, just as we have come to expect from the Titans for so long. Yeah, it's hard because I thought the like national disrespect and all that would be a really good motivating tool, like. I think it's you know always good to be an underdog and say you know nobody's picking us that this that and other, but I mean this Titans team for a decade plus has found ways to lose games they should win and really keep themselves at best around five hundred and it's just a bad job like it's a bad culture I don't know if it's just a string of random events or what but I mean it's just bad like you would think outside of the 10-0 season that there would be some point where the Titans really took charge and beat bad teams and looked competent. But, I mean, this team's just as erratic as ever. For a team that's won back-to-back nine-game seasons and then they're off to a good start this year, I can't think of a team who's been more erratic while having some success. It just kind of drives you crazy because – you know, I maybe it's just my vanity, but I want the team that I write about and that I like to do well because, you know, otherwise you have people asking you, you know, oh, is like is Vince Young there? Is Chris Johnson there? You know, all all these things that, you know, we've known for half a decade and they just vaguely remember some players. You want your team to be successful, so you know you can be excited to tell people you're going to a game and it. it for them to come out and lay an egg against Buffalo, it just it just really kills any kind of momentum they had. And you've got to be able to win easy games if you're going to be a 10, 11, 12-win team, and they're just not doing that. And, Will, on your point about the outside noise serving as a motivator, the term bulletin board material is used a lot. And I, I think that is absolutely true. But here's the difference. When you take something as bulletin board material, like the national media doesn't respect us enough or they think that we run a two-quarterback system, that's good and fine. Keep it on the bulletin board, though. Don't go to the media and start complaining about it. Because it goes from a, you know, we're going to band together and prove them wrong to, like, we're just going to whine and go into the game arrogant thinking that we're the stuff and we need more attention, you know? Yeah, it's, it's weird, though, because, like, if you listen to uh, Kevin Byard when he went on NFL Network, I mean, he said the right things. He said, you know, respect comes with wins. You know, the more games you win, the more respect you get in the National Football League, and that's the right way to look at it. Right. And, 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 you know, the same kind of thing, and I wrote about this yesterday, this was so reminiscent of that West Coast stretch. We even talked about it, Matias, on the, the preview, right? Yeah, yeah. How, you know, they went on to the West Coast, they were uh, – what eight and four? Eight I think? And, yeah, they were eight and four with four games left on the schedule against the Jags and and then three, the Jags, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. and they went in that game thinking, you know, look, we've been really good this year. We've taken care of the people we played. All we got to do is go two and two in these last four games, and we're going to win our division. And they laid three eggs and lost three games and and ended up with a wild card spot. And it, this is very similar to that. Not that it'll affect their playoff chances necessarily, but 
very similar feeling, like going into that game entitled, you know? That was that was this was the Arizona game all over again. That, that's Except, what Paul Kaharski said. It reminded me more of the San Francisco game. Really? Yeah. Just, well, the San Francisco game, our pass defense just let us down. This one, we just couldn't do anything on offense. True. Sort of like that Arizona game. Um, but I didn't see this one coming. The Arizona game, as we all know, recorded in history, I did see coming. But this one, I I just. I just, I just didn't. The Bills just haven't really looked good. Uh, the Titans were coming off their best offensive perfor- performance. Uh, it seemed like the pieces were all coming together. Mariota was healthy. Uh, Lafleur finally had a real feel for the offense. And then, I don't know. I don't even know what happened in this game. It, it, it let, was let's really talk weird. a little bit about Matt Lafleur. I'm glad you brought that up because, as we were kind of talking about a minute ago, and and lots of people have mentioned this, I. Uh, I tweeted something yesterday along the lines of Matt LaFleur is is doing his best Terry uh, Terry Robisky almost said Terry McCormick his best Terry Robisky impression today to honor him on the opposite sideline and the offense that the Titans ran yesterday was the total opposite of everything that Matt LaFleur was supposed to stand for he was supposed to be we're going to spread things out we're going to get Mario out of the pocket I mean we're going to run him it means we're going to get him out of the pocket we're going to take shots downfield when necessary. And what I saw yesterday was the Mike Malarkey four tight end, let's all put our shoulders together and just plow through and have a cloud of dust on every play. Like, where did that come from? And why did it come against this Bills defense? Like, if you're, I understand it if you're playing like, uh, like um, the Vikings, maybe, who have a really good defense. But, like, against the Bills? That was one of the weirder offensive game plans I think I've seen in in quite a while, um, especially coming off that that Eagles game. But we played that game as if Blaine Gabbert was at quarterback. So I don't know what that was, um, but it's very concerning. Um, just just the offense as a whole. Why were we running so many tight formations uh, against the Bills, whose front seven is is their their strength? Uh, and they had a couple of injuries in the secondary that we absolutely could have taken advantage of. Granted, our receivers are terrible, and we saw that manifest itself uh, in the game, but we have players that could have beaten their their secondary players. Corey Davis has been great this season. Taewon has had some flashes, although he, he's been inconsistent. And Tajay Sharp has actually come on for the last the last two or three games. So I, that was really weird. I think we threw the ball downfield one time. The entire game which, after which having so that? much, I don't, I don't even remember. I honestly don't even remember. Play thirty-four. It was uh, Corey Davis. <laughs> Play thirty-four. <laughs> it was, it, I don't know. It was Corey Davis on the right side uh, on an in-breaking route for like twenty-five yards or something like that. Okay. Well, regardless, it just didn't make sense yeah. after Mariota was pinpoint accurate on deep throws against the Eagles. Uh, I know the Bills have better cornerbacks, but uh, it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, like, you know, we talked about the wide receivers are bad. I missed last week my chance to gloat about the Corey Davis game. <laughs> Corey Davis oh, yeah. is really good, guys. Like, and he was good. Uh, uh, I've bought him. in, by the way. I've bought in, Will. <laughs> Thank God. Um, <laughs> you guys I've stood on the table for in Mariota and Corey Davis over the last two years had a good game. I mean, yeah, Mariota Corey, played well. Yeah, Corey Davis was drawing double coverage. Like, they either had a safety over the top of him or they were shadowing him with Trey White. And, I mean, 
he was always getting the absolute best coverage that he could get. It's just you got Taewon Taylor fumbling. You it, it just everything. Deion Lewis fumbled. Everything went wrong. And you know Marcus Mariota threw that interception, which at, when you watch the replay is clearly on Nick Williams, who we'll get to eventually. But going back to the scheme, it was one of the worst called games I can remember in the past few years, and that includes Rubisky. Because LaFleur's whole thing is he's not rigid. He's supposed to be flexible and attack what's missing and being able to adapt to what his team's doing well and what they're not doing well. And what the team was not doing well was the running game and screen passes. And what we saw for three and a half quarters was running Boring game and screen passes, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was bad. Like, it was some sort of disconnect between what he thought should have been working and what he was seeing and what was actually working, which was, you know, deep targets to Corey Davis looked good. Um, there was stuff open down the field. It just, it, it was a really strange game plan for somebody who we've seen essentially have four different game calls in the first four weeks, and they've all been well-crafted and well-thought out. This was, it was worse than a swing and a miss because it was like he swung at the same pitch three times and missed, missed every time. It was just... <laughs> A bad job, um, which is not what I expected to see. Although I should have seen it coming, because a week after praising Lafleur's adaptability and creativity, of course he was going to have one of the worst games I've ever seen called, you know, for the Titans. So I should have historically understood that it was coming, but I guess I just was a little bit optimistic. Um, I want to talk about. Mariota, because you mentioned he had a good game, and I want to talk about the Titans receivers because they had a, a not-so-great game. But first, before we do that, I want to talk about a player who's not on the Titans anymore, and that's Michael Griffin. Uh, we, we need to address this. But before I talk about my experience from Sunday, Will, I want you to talk about your experience because this is the weird thing about this, guys, is that I'm not the only person who has been – on this podcast that has been called out by Michael Griffin. I think I'm the only one that's been called out publicly. But Will has a story, too, with Michael Griffin. Yeah, so um, I was, you know, my typical angry, overreactive self in the middle of a game. Was he he an active player when this happened? (sighs) Yeah, I I think so. I I think he was on the Vikings, no, or the Panthers? He was still with the Titans. I don't think he ever played for the Vikings. Yeah, no, he he was still with the yeah. Titans, and he he was playing because I was, I remember because I was talking about him because uh, I don't know if it was against the Colts or the Browns. It wasn't against the maybe it was against the Browns. I don't know. I was calling out the coverage the way I thought I saw it, and I was like, you know, this is a bad play by Michael Griffin. You know, this is the guy you're supposed to cover. <laughs> and and the, funny, he, the funny thing about that is, it's like my tweet was very explicitly making fun of Michael Griffin. Yours was just stating a fact. Yeah, like, and he he came in my DMs and was essentially like, what's up? And I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> my bad. Because, <laughs> I mean, things get real quick. And, you know, I I don't think I was wrong, but, you know, maybe I was. And so we, t- I, we talked about it for a while. Which is and so said, weird. That he well, it, was, really, it was really pretty cool because I was like, look – this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing, you know, and, and I forget what it was, but let's say that they were running a three-man route, and I the way it looked is that it was, 
you know, he was supposed to have his own coverage here. And he said, well, actually, the way we run it with this was Dick LeBeau's. Wasn't birth- it about Bryce McCain doing something wrong? No, 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 no. This was pre Bryce. Oh, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. It, I well, forget if it was Bryce it- McCain, I don't think Griffin and McCain ever played together. I could be wrong. That's the, I, I don't know if. Hmm. I, don't, first, I don't think they overlapped because Griffin's think, Griffin's last uh, Bryce McCain was, was the first player that John Robinson acquired, and the first player that John Robinson released was Michael Griffin. So yeah, they didn't play. Okay, that. no, yeah, yeah that all that all seems right. So um, I I ended up talking to him for about you know twenty minutes and several tweets and was like you know this is what I see and he said well actually. The way we run this concept is you don't want to end up getting picked by another defender, so you have to back up to make sure that you don't get run into and let up a big gain and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, it was cool, but, I mean, Michael Griffin is definitely out there on Twitter. Like, don't think you can just talk about Michael Griffin on Twitter and he won't see it because he will find you. Like, he, he, he will find you, which is what, you know, Kevin Durant does the same thing for NBA fans. He, I mean, he'll get your dimensions too. So if you want some attention, go after Kevin Durant. But Or Michael I, Griffin. Yeah, yeah or, or Michael Griffin. But, I mean, I, I mean. So here's the thing about all of this. Name searching on Twitter. Because I'm convinced. Did my, Griffin didn't follow you when, when that happened, did he? No, but I, no, I don't think he did. I'm not sure if he followed me after or what, because he had to to DM me. So hey, I don't know if he followed me before or after. I don't think he followed me before. Well, he doesn't follow me. And he also, so when he quote tweeted my tweet about him and and called me fake Paul Kuharski, um, he, he did not follow me, number one. And number two, the only person that had interacted with that tweet was Titan's Film Room. They had liked it. And I looked, and Michael Griffin does not follow Titans Film Room. So the only way he could have seen that tweet is if he name-searched. And this is all I'm going to say about it. These are the Titans players that also name-search. Bryce McCain, Antoine, quote, Valentino Blake, and Darren Bates. Now, Darren Bates is the special team's captain, but he's not a starter, and Will or Matias, you were making fun of the fact that the Titans put him on a uh, on LaShawn McCoy on a third down. Bryce mm-hmm. McCain, fine guy, I'm sure, but he wasn't a good player. He was he was pretty terrible. And Valentino Blake may be the worst cornerback in NFL history. And these are the guys <laughs> that are name searching. These are the guys that go on Twitter, search their names, and try to call out the people who you know, keep my name out of your mouth Michael Griffin if you're listening to this which I, there's no chance you are are these the guys you want to be associated with these are the because you're a pro bowl player these guys are not Darren Bates Valentino Blake Bryce McGain, they're not pro bowl players they're not good are you that self-conscious where you're having to like name search because, like, could you imagine if I, like, I'm not famous enough where people tweet about me, but could you imagine if I, like, sat on Twitter and, like, searched my name to, like, every time someone brought up something negative about me, I was just like, keep my name out of your mouth, you you half whatever, you know. It just doesn't make any <clears throat> sense. So, I don't know. I, I was happy to get my, uh, my Valentino Blake shot in there. Yeah, uh, name searching just kind of sc- screams insecurity, you know. Um, and I also had a run-in uh, on Sunday with some very famous 
Bills fans who have under 20 followers each um, <laughs> just jumping into my mentions on Titan Size, talking about I'm not giving them enough respect. Uh, yeah, I don't care. Take your W and go on with your lives. Your team is terrible. You so. don't have enough respect. Like, okay, I, I will admit, I have, I have not name searched. I have, like, after the fact, like, search for, like, cold takes. That's different, I think. I don't know. Is it different? I think, I think it has to do deal with, like, if it's about you or if it's not about you. It wasn't like, about me. It was about uh, DeMarco Murray. It was when he uh, when he eclipsed 1,000 yards in his first season with the Titans, I went and quote-tweeted a bunch of people who were like, DeMarco Murray should have never been traded for. Right. Yeah. That, that was my name searching, I guess. Yeah. Tell me name searching. Yeah. It's, it's more like if I was, like, to scroll through and find people who said it was crazy that – uh, I suggested that the Titans trade a first round for Khalil Mack or a second round for Earl Thomas, like as if those were impossibilities. And if I went through and like would have quote tweeted them, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's get back into the, uh, the bill. I just think it's so funny that like Will has had that happen to him too with the same player. But yeah, if, I'm name searching Titan sized as we speak on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't you get all the mentions anyway? Oh, no, no, yeah, not, no, no, the people that didn't at you. That's what you have to yeah, name yeah. search for. <laughs> actually, I need to take back the indictment on Darren Bates. I think it was actually figured out that he didn't name search and his girlfriend told him about one of these tweets. So he, he's out of this. But the other two, Bryce McCain and Valentino, they absolutely are name searchers. Fair okay. enough. Um, well, let's talk about Mariota. I thought he played fine yesterday. I didn't like the system that he was in, but he made the throws. He got out of the pocket. There wasn't much there for him. And uh, the the interception, which we'll get more into in a, in a second, really wasn't his fault. But from a performance perspective, I thought he was fine yesterday. Yeah, like you said, the interception was not his fault. Uh, he only took two sacks, and they only, they were only for eight yards. Um, it seemed we didn't call. I, I don't. Did we call any runs for him? He only had two carries for ten yards. I can't even remember. Um, and his receivers were just letting him down like they have all season. Uh, his stat line would look a lot better if Nick Williams had just caught a very easy touchdown grab. So I, I don't think you could put any blame on Mariota, especially uh, given the game plan that we went into this game with. Uh, I I thought he I thought he was fine, uh, and he's looked good the past two weeks, and I'm pretty encouraged by that. Uh, of course, you always want the players to transcend the system um, and just elevate elevate the team itself. But I, that just was not happening yesterday. Yesterday was just it, it was it seemed doomed from the beginning. As soon as Taewon Taylor uh, fumbled on that on on like the second play of the game or whatever it was, it just it just seemed like it was all, all going to go downhill. But I agree that that he was pretty good. Uh, him and Corey Davis were easily our best offensive players uh derrick henry was also very good uh i thought he played his best game of the year so far so that was encouraging i, I wish he would have gotten uh a couple more carries i don't know why Deion lewis out carried him to be honest but um we'll talk about that at another time yeah i'm, I'm glad you kind of brought up a quarterback transcending the system because the only way he could have is if he changed plays at the line of scrimmage because even like if you're doing three-step, five-step drops and you see something open, you can scramble. But on screen passes and that short game and all that, you really take all of Mariota's mobility out of it because he can't break the pocket. He can't put stress on linebackers. They don't have to freeze and stop. Like, 
it, it just it's almost the same as just running pitch play but just to a different person so if you're going to do that ideally you want to do it because you're getting a lot of interior blitzes and because you think you can get the edge and that's not what the titans were doing so you know not only were the play calls minimizing what Mariota could do but they were also putting him in bad situations on second long and third and long so mm-hmm. i mean in spite despite a bad situation he did a really good job doing the best he could i mean i think there were key third down p- plays to darius jennings who actually caught the ball and to nick williams who didn't and when you're having to make plays where those are the options you go to on critical third downs, like you're, you're really having to play with a hand tied behind your back. So, you know, the stat, this is another game where the stat sheet doesn't look good, but it really doesn't tell you the story of how Mariota was good enough to win this game despite the fact that they really put him in a bad situation all game long. Yep. Um, let's talk about these receivers. Look. I just mentioned I, I've bought in on Corey Davis. I think he's 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 pretty good. Um, Taewon Taylor, limited, but I like him. Tajay Sharp, I've always been a fan of. Oh boy, Darius Jennings and Nick Williams the last two weeks. <laughs> I, I think it was uh, Travis Haney wrote uh, something along the lines of "There's a reason that they've been journeymen," and that's yeah. it's it's become evident over the last two weeks. So we could sit here all day and talk about how bad everybody is. I don't know that that's accomplishing anything. So instead, what's the solution? What do, what do the Titans do? Do they trade for a, a Devontae Parker? Do they go sign a Brashad Perryman in free agency? Do they stick with the same guy? What, what, what do you do if you're the Titans? I mean, at this point in the season, there's no clear solution, at least through free agency. Yeah, and let's, I, make, let's make this very clear to, to our listeners because I know that some of them don't understand this. In October, on October 8th specifically, you're not going to find, like, Calvin Johnson on the street. Now, Des Bryant is a big name, and he used to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. It's not anymore. There's a reason he's still on the street. So you're just not going to find. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's a reason all of these guys are free agents. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're not they're not that good anymore. I mean, you can Although go, you I, go sign, what, uh, like, uh, who... Like, who's a really good receiver that's retired in the, in the last several months? You got to sign Terrell Owens. Like, yeah, what is he? Forty. He's years a old? big name. He's a free agent, but like, there's a reason because he's old. Yeah. Um. Uh. All that said, I I kind of want to just avoid the Des Bryant thing, but obviously he's the best free agent available. Uh. But I don't you think, see the tie going so? that route. Yeah, yeah, I do. There, yeah. There's no one else, man. He's still 29. He can still catch the ball. Oh, he's only uh, 29? But... Yeah, he's 29 years old. Hmm. He's slow, and he's like in the Anquan Bolden part of his career where he can't really beat anyone on most routes, but he can still catch the ball um, in contested situations, and he could probably give you a little bit. I mean, the Ravens the won cap. a Super Bowl with Anquan Bolden. Yeah, yeah. So I, would, I wouldn't hate if they go that route, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, if anything, I think a trade is more likely. Uh, you mentioned Devontae Parker. I think that'd be that'd be worth the risk. Uh, I don't know how much the the Dolphins would ask for. Probably not a lot, given his injury history and the fact that he's never really had 
that much of a productive season because of those injuries. So I don't, I don't really. And plus, they don't seem to like him at all. So I don't think it would it would take that much. But it, it's become pretty clear that the Titans have to do something because the receivers are literally costing them games. Nick Williams literally cost them the game uh, on Sunday and two Sundays ago against the Eagles. Uh, Darius Jennings nearly cost them the game with that crucial drop on that deep pass. We had to convert four, three fourth downs in order to even uh, come away with a victory. So, I mean, it's clear something has to be done because Taewon Taylor's just, he just doesn't, he's not a number two. He's a number three at this point. Uh, Tajay Sharp is a fine number three, number four, but he's just not going to win these individual matchups and have these, have these games where he can, where he can dominate and, uh, and, and, and turn some of Mariota's passes um, into huge gains. He's just not that kind of guy. He's more of a possession guy. Um, and Corey Davis is really the only one who seems explosive at this point. So I definitely think a move needs to be made. Uh, even if it's a lesser move, like signing Deontay Burnett from the Jets practice squad again, um, that, that'd be fine because he cannot be worse than, than Jennings and Williams. Yeah, so I think when you think about this, you have to think more pass catchers than wide receivers. Um, and to me, you know, part of the solution was done today when they brought in Anthony Ferkser because with Delaney Walker and Rashard Matthews both disappearing for two very different reasons, it, Mariota really lost his first and second most productive receivers over his entire career. And Corey Davis can easily replace and surpass Rashard Matthews, but I mean, you need somebody as that other threat, and I mean, maybe Taewon can be that eventually, but right now he looks like more of a third guy, a gadget guy, somebody running jet sweep motion to really kind of freeze linebackers and mess with the defense like that, but I mean, they need somebody who's got great hands or somebody who can be a mismatch problem like John New Smith was supposed to be, and like Ferks are is like Ferkser is just I mean he's not a freak but he's Jack Doyle like he's the same guy like Jack Doyle's never been a great athlete he's never been an outstanding receiver who makes crazy catches he's just a solid guy who takes you know the Jason Witten find a hole in the defense and kind of sit there and then trust your quarterback and know your job and that's that's part of what they need. They also need Deontay Burnett because they need somebody who can just catch the ball. I mean, if you look at all the drops the Titans have had, if they get no yards after catch, they get no yak, and they just catch the passes that are thrown to them, all these terrible drops, the Titans are, you know, Mariota has, I don't know, 550 yards, 500 yards last week, something like that. Uh, I mean, it's just... I don't know. It's it's crazy to me that the most important asset for a wide receiver isn't his route running or his speed or anything like that. It's hands, and they cut Deontay Burnett in favor of Cameron Batson and Darius Jennings, which, okay, Darius Jennings has been a good return man, and I, I'm okay with him because he can do that for you, but there's no reason Batson should have made this roster, roster over Burnett. Yeah. and. There's no reason to carry uh, Aaron Stinney. Well, and you you really don't like Cameron Batson. He's he's like I don't understand, and this is nothing against Cameron Batson. I have never seen him ever make a play. He ever. ran an in against the Vikings in preseason in that fourth right. game, and he caught like, the ball. Like that's great, but I mean, <laughs> also, 
Especially in that game, like Burnett. Burnett went through the season preseason with something like twelve catches on twelve targets or something. Like mm-hmm. he drop a single pass, including against Pittsburgh when he had his feet inside the sideline and was falling away out of bounds and still caught the ball. Like. It, it, I don't know. Like I, I, I kind of wish Devin Ross was available and not on IR. I mean, <laughs> you don't like him either. Like, that's how far we've fallen that like, we're clamoring for Devin Ross. I just don't like. Again, like just sign Burnett. Like all you need is somebody to be Steve Smith, not the Carolina Steve Smith, but the giant Steve Smith giant. who. Just caught every third down pass and caught it and fell, and that's all. You know who else does that? Rashard Matthews. All well, right. Except for this part, except for this year where he like dropped a couple, including that one right over the middle for the Jacksonville. Which, but it, the, anyway, Deontay Burnett does that, and he's borderline free. Like you could sign him to a contract, and it would be so negligible on your cap, it wouldn't even matter. So I, I just don't understand why he's not on the team. Let me just say one more thing about this um i think the wide receiver struggles i i I mean they're pretty clear but they're kind of they've kind of been amplified because we don't have delaney walker and he was going to be such a huge part of this passing offense was probably going to be our number one receiver honestly because he has been for the past what four years or so um and our tight ends are non-existent they do not feature in the passing offense i'm honestly surprised that um I can't remember. I may have said this to you guys yesterday that uh, Michael Pruitt hasn't gotten at least a look. Like, you know, he's so athletic. Just let him run down the seam or something. He played seven snaps, and they were all f- for blocking. So, Which yeah, is weird. I don't know. He's not really a blocking tight end. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what we've been doing. I don't know what we did in this game. Honestly, this was, this was a very weird one for me. Uh, very frustrating but more so weird than anything because a lot of the things that we did uh, just did not make sense. Well, let's move to the defense and talk about Rashawn Evans, who curiously tweeted yesterday that, uh, that he's not an inside linebacker. Um, okay. And then Mike Vrabel actually <laughs> responded to this today. Someone asked him about the tweet. And he, his response was something along the lines of, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention so I can talk to him. Like, what coach, number one, has ever said that? Like, can you respond to the, whatever pl- your player said? You know, I, I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. I, I need to address that with him. Like, that's hmm. so weird. It's also weird because Mike Vrabel is on Twitter. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, but he's not very active. Yeah. yeah. It's just <laughs> a facade. Um, but Rashawn Evans, Will, you're the uh, – the resident film guy. Um, what, did, what did you see from him yesterday? Uh, he was super slow. Um, it's that's just what he is. Yeah, we did. So, like, I think we talked about this in our, our pre-draft previews. I, he didn't run the forty, and there was a reason. Yeah, and and for, for whatever reason, the big story that the Titans put out after is. I didn't have to run a forty because I used to chase down horses, which was the weirdest. <laughs> What? That was said that? Yeah. Like, go go look at it. It's like, oh, I used to run down horses uh, at my family's place. So, you know, With I never. shirt off? I'm, sh- I'm sure. I'm sure. Sweating. It's, I'm sure it's just Tim Tebow. Like, I'm sure it's that whole, <laughs> where it's that whole like, draft process. Where, like, yeah. I had, like, flipped over, like, t- just, 
dumb stuff. But so it was a big thing, and Mike Keith said it, and I love Mike Keith, but sometimes he props people and other teams up, and it's like kind of blatantly clear what he's trying to do. I remember when but, he said uh, Cam Robinson was going to be a star in the NFL. Uh, yeah, he. Oh, he my. oh, the young man from Alabama. He's a really. Good <laughs> uh, and. You know, feel bad for Robinson for because he tore his ACL, but he's not very good. Um, but Mike Heath does that; like he falls in love with like local SEC process, uh, prospects, especially. And he uh, he addressed the criticism. I think he even said, you know, there's been a lot of concern that he didn't run the forty. But let me tell you this: he told me a story about him chasing down horses, and and like as soon as he said that, I lost my mind. I was like, that's not the same thing. Like that could be a lie. <laughs> Real, like I'm sure one time he chased down a horse that wasn't galloping at full speed because you cannot chase down a horse that's galloping at full speed. Uh, I don't care if you're Tyreek Hill. So whatever like that that was the, <laughs> but this all goes back to the point that he's not jayon brown like jayon brown is electrifying like you watch jayon brown it really is and, like you yeah you see him like track down somebody as the ball snap read what's gonna happen and fast flow to the running back or whoever and make a tackle for loss i mean he does it all the time like he either doesn't make a play or he makes a tackle for loss and i'm okay with that gamble like I would much rather have that than what we got from Compton and Evans and even Woodyard to some extent for a large portion of the season, which is, you know, maybe make a tackle after five or six yards from the running game and other than that be non-existent. Like, that, that's really what you've gotten from the rest of the group. It's been Jayon Brown and some good names. I mean, Rashawn Evans should be the perfect pair to Jayon Brown long term. Like, once he really settles in and understands the playbook and his keys and all he's supposed to do at middle linebacker, he should be really good. But his college film was predominantly at edge. It wasn't at linebacker. I mean, he had 15 career sacks, which was more than any other first-round linebacker. He ran a sub-7-3 cone. I mean, he and he has one of the best spin moves, if not the best spin move, in the draft class last year. And that's probably other than Landry's dip move, was probably the best move I saw uh, all year from a, def- a draft-eligible defensive end, so or edge. So this idea that he came out and said, I'm not primarily uh, an inside linebacker, goes back to what I've said before, and I don't remember if I've said it on the podcast or I've said it in kind of the pre-production stuff we do, but Evans forever to me felt like one of those – Jamie Collins, Ninkovich, uh, Hightower guys where he was a linebacker, but really you wanted to use him rushing the quarterback frequently or use him, you know, strictly in the box. You didn't Jamie Collins is different, I guess, because he was athletic enough to cover. But I mean where Jamie Collins really thrived was as a linebacker making plays quickly inside and not really stringing things out. So I think the way you want to use him is as a 3-4 inside linebacker on first and second down, and he's got to get better at tackling running backs. Because um, when he's in position, I mean, he missed a tackle, uh, which he has to make against LaShawn McCoy. And granted, it's LaShawn McCoy. Not, I mean, very few people tackle LaShawn McCoy as rookies and make it look easy. So I give him some leeway there, but he'll, he'll adjust into that. But after that, at, you know, use him as the guy opposite Landry. Like, let him be your Derek Morgan or your Brian Rackpo 
for one play. That way you get a lot of use out of him, and you can bring on a smaller guy to cover because you don't want him covering on third down. So if you're going to have a guy like that, why not have him rush the passer? So, I mean, he, sa- he said it's not his primary position. That's what I thought coming out of the draft, but rarely do you ever see somebody cross-train. Kamala Correa is the closest thing we've ever seen to that in the Titans uniform, and that's just because that's what the Ravens were already doing with him for three years. So it's a weird thing to say, but it also makes a ton of sense. Um, if he's not going to be a three-down linebacker or an efficient three-down linebacker, then why did we draft him? It's so funny. We traded up in the first round. Like I said, uh, my draft, my my, my like pre-draft note on him was that he would be a waste of a draft pick just because I, I think he's good at what he does, but what he does isn't valuable in the NFL. And Dude, I, I mean, it's turned out to be pretty right so far anyway. Yeah, I'm like, listen, it's been three games. I'm not going to yeah, yeah. book on this guy. But some of the things that we saw on the college tape are just coming to fruition in the NFL. Um, and after I was watching the, the Texans-Cowboys game, last night and the Cowboys have Leighton Vanderesh alongside Jalen Smith and they just have the right feel uh, as linebackers both in coverage and in run defense and from what I've seen so far from Rashawn Evans he just doesn't have a feel um, of of his position um, I mean he's saying that's not his position but but what is his position we didn't draft him to be a half edge half in inside linebacker guy uh and he did i don't think he could be an outside linebacker because he's been terrible in coverage so i don't i don't know i I, like i'm concerned right now just because we traded up for this guy uh he's already complaining about his role and he just hasn't been good on the field um after uh, after two games in which he's played a heavy allotment of snaps so i'm a bit concerned yeah I, i mean i think you're right to be concerned like the, the one thing I was thinking is it took Wesley Woodyard a long time to, even as a Titan, to, like, turn into Wesley Woodyard. So, you know, you don't always – a three-game stretch, especially in a new defense with a new scheme, is not necessarily very indicative of what you're going to become. And he's a rookie, so – and he's athletic enough. Like, he's not straight-line fast, but he is really good at turning the corner and – I have hope that he'll be an okay starting linebacker in the NFL. But I think, I mean, you know, you said we didn't draft him to play half-edge, half-linebacker. I think in four years we're going to look back and say that's exactly why John Robinson drafted <laughs> him is to play opposite Harold Landry. And he didn't know he was going to get Harold Landry. I'm not saying that. But he knew that Arakpo and Morgan were both free agents at the end of the year, and he had to have somebody replace Avery Williamson because they just didn't have another linebacker to start and somebody to eventually, you know, stand up at defensive end against, you know, or opposite probably whoever they were going to get in the second round anyway, which luckily was Harold Landry. So Mm -hmm. that was the plan. And maybe, and I was going to say, maybe I'm giving John Robinson too much credit, but I don't think you can do that. Um, So, I mean, based off his film, He's a very unique player. I think they would have preferred Leighton Vander Esch just from all the pre-draft rumors and what they really needed. But I think he was the last quote-unquote linebacker on their board who could play off-ball linebacker who had a first-round grade. 
and all they had to give up was a fourth round pick to get him. So instead of rolling the dice and letting him get drafted ahead, which we know that he would have based on what we heard from Pittsburgh, um, instead of that, they just moved up and take, took him. But I don't, I don't know. I hope for more from him, but right now I am concerned. As we kind of close out, there are a couple more players I want to hit on. First, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on the Wick, Nick, the Wick Williams, the Nick Williams interception. <laughs> That's, that needs to be a T-shirt right now. Hey, hey, TN, Wick Williams, um, <laughs> who catches the football every time it's thrown to him. Um, a lot of people said it wasn't Mariota's fault. And I, don't, I don't think it was, but like I didn't really understand what all went on from an X's and O's standpoint on that play. I was wondering if you guys could enlighten me on that. I mean, I just tweet that Johnny Smith. Oh, no, no, we're talking about. Nick Williams. We, uh, the other player no. I wanted to talk about was Johnny Smith, so we'll get to him in a second. Okay, yeah. On the interception, uh, Nick Williams just kind of quit on his route, and he wasn't even looking for the ball, so. That was completely on him. Like, it didn't look like he was even open. So, like, why wasn't it Mariota's fault? Okay, so so this is the way I saw it, is he they were running, like, a zone beater concept. So he was trying to, like, he should have been thinking, I have to get inside of that guy and then use my body to shield from the defender so that there's an easy pass right there. What he did was half-assed up the field and then didn't pay attention to the defender and got his head around too late. By the time he got his head around too late, the defender was already breaking on the ball and bullied him out of the way and just took the ball away from where... And it was a good defensive play, but it was also a terrible offensive play from the wide receiver. Like, I'm not expecting him to be Corey Davis there, but he should be Wes Welker. Like, I mean, he should be a guy who understands that he, you know, even if he gets blown up, even if the ball gets battered away, he has to shield that ball from... The defender, that's his job on the route. So, and, and, you know, the Titans have Nick Williams so that he could be the quote-unquote veteran, right? That wasn't a veteran play. No. So why is he here? Okay, yeah. It's a good question. Johnny, Johnny Smith. Um, ew, he was a player that I had a lot of hope for heading into this season because I feel like he's a very good gadget tight end. You know, you put him in certain matchups and he excels. He can beat linebackers. But when he's the primary tight end, nothing happens. And I think we're starting to see why last year, because that was one of the things we talked about at the end of the year. We were like, you know, Johnny Smith didn't really get involved that, as much as we thought he was going to. Well, maybe now we're kind of seeing why. Uh, Johnny's bad. He's bad at football. It's, uh, it's not good, uh, <laughs> especially because we spent the third-round pick on him. Uh, in a draft where George Kittle when the fifth round George Kittle looks like like a top five to top ten tight end right now and John smoked the Titans last year yeah yeah, he's he's really good I loved Kittle yeah we we all loved him he was he was great he was great at Iowa but um I don't know I mean John's athletic profile was really good he had a lot of college production um a lot of draft people liked him I mean he had everything yeah no the all the signs all the makings of a decent tight end at the next level were there and he's bad he can't block he drops way too many passes uh he gets open every now and then but but that's it and mariota doesn't trust him so like what is what what is he even doing out there I don't know. <laughs> why why is he here right <laughs> what 
there's there's a reason why you know I think over the last two games we've had no receptions by a tight end, but the only player targeted. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, John had that terrible drop. Uh, uh, for, what's his name? Stalker had a. I almost called him Stoner. Stalker had a target yesterday. Yeah, and, St- and he probably should have caught that. But I mean, he's and we can talk about this a little bit more in detail with the specific play. But I mean, Marcus doesn't trust him at all, and rightfully so. Johnny Smith is not a consistent receiver, which. You know, if you go back to his preseason games and his rookie year and the first few games, I mean, all the signs were positive. It looked like he was a guy who was slowly going to develop into another receiving threat. It looked like the Titans had gotten three, you know, pass catchers in the first uh, three rounds in last year's draft and that they'd really set Marcus up for success. Hmm. And now it's almost surprising that he hasn't either popped up with a mysterious injury and ended up on... Uh, an inactive list or been, you know, I don't want to say outright cut because he's cheap and he's a third round pick and he's under contract. So it's kind of easy to keep him. But I mean, there's no reason he should be getting snaps over stalker ever. And maybe not over, uh, Michael Pruitt. Like I was going to say, we're like one week away from Michael Pruitt tight end one. Well, now we're, now we're one week away from perks or tight end. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's so bad. You go from Delaney Walker, who's like the ideal tight end. Like, he blocks, he gets open, he makes contested catches, he's a matchup nightmare. You go from that to the three stooges of Ferkser, Johnu Smith, and that other guy, Michael Pruitt. Ferkser has one of and, the worst athletic profiles I've ever seen, by the way. But uh, he looked good in preseason. He so. did. He looked really good in preseason. <laughs> Running those seam routes really with Blaine Gabbert throwing yeah. fireballs. If throwing you, that 6'6 that body around. He looked pretty good. So, If you can know. catch a pass, Mariota can make you look decently athletic. Because if he's given time, especially to tight ends on those bootlegs and stuff, he can give you a long runway, and he can force a linebacker to really make sure that he's not going to tuck and run the ball. Like, you really don't have to be a great athlete in this system. It's what, you know, <laughs> he's the only guy I know from this offense, so I always say it. But it's what C.J. Fedorowicz did with the Texans with they, when they were successful with Arian Foster. Is yeah, I think you're was, thinking of Owen Daniels. Oh, yeah, Owen Daniels was good, too. With C.J. Fedorowicz, it doesn't matter. C.J. Fedorowicz uh, never played with uh, Arian Foster. I think he, no, not sure. even. He was a Bill O'Brien guy for like a year. He came in in 2014. I don't know. Um, it does. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I get what you're saying though. <laughs> yeah, but the it, same it, person, like it, with Lamar Miller, then like it was that stretch run where they would run left, boot around, and then CJ Fedorowicz would be wide open, even though the Bills just, ran it, that play like every every play. On yeah. Sunday. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's an easy play to run if you can get the run game going. So if you can get. Derrick Henry going then or Deion Lewis then Ferkser doesn't need a lot of room I mean he can just be open in that system but yeah it, it should not be that hard to manufacture literally any production from your tight ends which they haven't been able to do the past two weeks yeah absolutely have and, we talked about Deion Lewis being terrible on the ground yet he's averaging 3.2 yards a carry that's Henry actually played well yesterday so I'm gonna I'm gonna save what yeah. I was about to say <laughs> Although I, will say, I just saw a tweet. It's from uh, 
Alan Bell from 24-7 Sports, and he said, uh, if, if you run the Titans, would you consider trading Derrick Henry for the right price? If so, what's the right price? I was very tempted to respond, conditional <laughs> seventh. <laughs> I mean, even though he had a good game, I would still I would still trade him. I don't think he's a fit with what they want to do. Yeah. And, like, Derrick Henry would be very good in, like, a Chip Kelly offense. I was going to say he's not a fit in the modern NFL. If you can't catch the ball, I don't know that he's a fit in any NFL. I mean, if that's your concern, because he doesn't, he doesn't run with power. I mean, honestly, there is one way to use him successfully, and it's to put him at slot and run him in motion. And I've said it for you have said that a lot. Like it's so the Chip Kelly offense in. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There you go, Matias knows. Like wow, we should have gotten Chip Kelly, Mariota, and Derrick Henry in the backfield. It's just like. It's so obvious that he's a different runner when he's not trying to find a hole to cut through because when he finds him, he's too slow to get there inside. So if it's not there, he just bounces around and he's gets like the, hit. He's the anti-Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, he's, he's Chris Johnson without acceleration. Well, that's like saying he's Peyton Manning except for, you know, the good accuracy. Like No, I mean, look, he's got really good deep speed. Like, he, like once he gets going, he is borderline impossible to catch like i think the only like maybe i've seen a couple other people but in a dead sprint in wide open field one of the only people i've ever seen tackle him is adory jackson when it was usc versus alabama in the opener a few years ago but i mean he's just impossible to catch he's just so fast and it's so hard to get a good angle where you feel comfortable hitting him that once he's got five or six yards of you know green grass he's impossible for the tackle, which is why he has so many 80-yard runs, but the problem with him is the same thing that's going on with Leonard Fournette, is you have to manufacture ways for them to get those big chunk plays, and it's just not natural, and that's why Leonard yeah. Fournette and Eric Henry are both kind of struggling. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back on uh, on Thursday to, uh, to preview the Ravens game, which hopefully will be better on all fronts, Ravens are a much better team than Buffalo. Hopefully the Titans will, will play up to their competition. Uh, until then, for Matisse Wadner and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. We will talk to everyone later in the week. <laughs>